What's up, everybody? I am Ryan McNichols, host of Fantasy Oddballs Football Podcast. I am joined by my co-host, Rich Hauk, and our producer, Mike Coyle. We are talking everything Dynasty and season-long fantasy football. We dig through all the numbers so that you don't have to. We are back. It is Saturday, May 28th. We are kind of in the slow season, slow point of the offseason right now. So we are just kind of going to go through some ideas we've been throwing around today, some things to look at, examine some questions, kind of, again, just mostly focused on this rookie class and anybody who's still out there who has their rookie dynasty draft to do. So... Uh, first, though, let's start off with today. We're kind of we're gonna, I guess, standardize our sort of league size for when we're talking about dynasty going forward. So we kind of have something to go back to the same way every league sort of does. ESPN has a standard set size and all that. So that's kind of what we're gonna do. So I've been looking at the numbers today, Rich, and most leagues tend to have ten starters, kind of like we do. Again, ours is a little bit of a larger league overall. They ha- they cap out around twenty five roster spots. It's anywhere from twenty to twenty five total roster spots. So that's kind of what we're looking at as far as rosters sizes and the typical lineups one quarterback two running backs two wide receivers a tight end three flex spots and then they'll either do a super flex or they will do an additional wide receiver so as far as that goes then we're looking at when we're going to be talking about fantasy relevant players we're going to go about two quarterback deep going to look at about you know go five rb deep you know essentially if people got two running backs and three flex spots and then six wide receivers and two tight ends so that's kind of what you're looking at in dynasty that's how far you need to be looking for when you're doing your startup draft and just you know the kind of difference between this and doing a redraft league where you're typically going to about you know your third wide receiver and third running back as opposed to double that in a dynasty league so that's where it's a little bit different so again just kind of set that standard for us that's what we're going to be looking at that's kind of the roster size we're going to go with when we're talking about in the future when we mention starters and flex plays and all that so just a quick little nugget to get out of the way but uh let's get into it today rich did you have anything you wanted to start with before we kind of go into what we have planned or um yeah it's something i wanted to talk about is a little how we are in the fantasy football it's not just us uh, just last night, I saw the uh, two MLB players, um, Tommy Pham and Jock Peterson, got into an altercation before their game uh, over fantasy football. Tommy Pham slapped Jock Peterson in the face because he thought Jock Peterson was cheating by stashing an out player on his IR spot and picking up another player. We call it roster churning, right? And Jock Peterson pointed out that he was doing the same thing Tommy Pham was with Jeff Wilson. And that's when Pham got upset, slapped him in the face. He was removed from the lineup before the game. An MLB investigation has occurred, right? And it was just a crazy scenario. It's, it's funny to see that that other people care about fantasy football as much as we do. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's amazing. Right, like a professional athlete, too. He's getting slapped in the face over fantasy football. Like, like, how many times have you wanted to slap a league mate in the face? Could you imagine <laughs> not, going, not, not going to work the next day because of fantasy football? Right? Like, oh, man, I got suspended because uh, I slapped another player in the face. Yeah, slap my coworker in the face now. I'm suspended for oh, work. IR spots in yeah. fantasy football. Yeah. I remember how You'd love uh, to see it. Things get heated. One, how mad our, our one buddy was in our redraft league when the uh, team that wasn't making the playoffs was just not setting their lineup, so they'd given out free wins to people, yeah, and can't. like they couldn't even fill out their roster because they had stopped paying attention. They had all these people who were hurt or on COVID or out or something, so like they couldn't even fill out the roster. He was mad. He was gonna fight. He wasn't just gonna slap him. He was gonna fight him, dude. Yeah, as he should. That's a violation. Like yeah. competitive integrity. You have to fill your lineup, and I don't care if you're eliminated. Yeah. You gotta fill it out. It has it, to be done. It shows, it's, it's a not fun. You made the commitment. You paid the fee. Yeah. Ride it out for what, eighteen weeks. Especially because yeah. it was a redraft. It's not like a dynasty where you benefit from going last or anything. You're essentially yeah. just handing other people in the league free wins. Yeah, it's just quitting midseason. It, it it ruins the league. Yeah, it it happens so often too. You always have that one or two people, and you know they're not that super interested in the first place. They're doing it to play with friends and you know be involved, and their team tanks out at you know week eight and they're just like done with it they're not even looking at the espn app anymore they're just totally out of it i get it i mean i understand not everybody's into it but it does ruin legs so it's not fun yeah but what are you gonna do that's why uh, we're playing dynasty with people that actually want to play fantasy football <laughs> yep 
Alright, so that being said, let's get into our first topic that we're kind of going to talk about today, and that's uh, we're going to look at the wide receivers that went in the second and third round this year versus the wide receivers that went in the second and third round last year. And we're kind of break it down between the two rounds, so uh, let's start with the second round. You want to go through the wide receivers that were taken last year, Rich, and kind of what they did for us in the league? Yeah, so uh, 2022, uh, I'm sorry, 2021 second round wide receivers. He had Elijah Moore last year. He had 43 catches, 538 yards, five touchdowns. He had Rondell Moore, 54 catches, 435 yards, one touchdown. Dwayne Eskridge, 10 catches, 64 yards, one touchdown. 2-2 Atwell, donuts across the board. Uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., 17 catches, 138 yards, zero touchdowns. Okay, so... The reason I kind of wanted to talk about this today is because I've heard from a couple different other outlets now and shows that they felt better about the second group of wide receivers, like the second and third round wide receivers from last year than they did about the group this year. And I'm not quite sure why that is because I feel differently, when I, especially when you put out the numbers like that. Is What are your opinions on that, Rich? Where do you come in? I absolutely agree. I just look at last year's second round, and I see one guy and a couple potential gadget players, and I'm not really sure what Terrace Marshall Jr. is at this point. That one guy's Elijah Moore. I think he's a legit weapon. That's what I was figuring, too. Yeah. So when you said you agree, you agree with... Yes, with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I agree with you. The rest of... After Elijah Moore, I just see question marks. Right, and that's kind of the confusing thing, too, because when I just look also from kind of an athletic-wise and profile-wise, I liked a lot of the guys who went in the second round a lot more than the profile. Like, just a lot of those guys in the second round last year profiled more as slot-wide receivers, and, you know, so it kind of caps their, you know, upside to begin with. But then you look at guys like, you know, Sky Moore and Christian Watson, George Pickens and Alec Pierce, who all went in the second round this year, and to say that, like, you feel better about guys like Dwayne Eskridge and Rondell Moore and Tutu Atwell than you did this guy. It's just, it's not something it's I've, I've understood. It's yeah, like, <laughs> if you want to say, like, the second grouping and you want to try to break it off and say, like, you know, the last two, like, uh, Rashad Bateman, who was the other wide receiver that went towards the end of the first round last year that, uh, who am I? There was five, right? Because the first three kind of Smith, Waddle, and Chase all Chase kind of went together. Who was the other one that went with Bateman a little bit? Tony. Kadarius Tony. Tony. Tony if you want to kind of break it off there even, though, too, like I kind of put some of those guys closer to Tony and Bateman than I do any of this next. And, like, you can't just break it off there and say, well, we'll do Tony and Bateman versus these second-round wide receivers. It's like you got to do the other late-round yeah. first wide receivers, and which there weren't really any late. They all kind of went early, and then they didn't go until the second round. So, I mean, if you include Bateman and Tony, in this, I feel obviously we feel good about Bateman. Tony, not so much. If you included Bateman, I, I would say maybe I'd feel better about the group as a whole between Bateman and Elijah Moore. But I just think there, are, as far as qu- quantity, I feel better about more guys in in this second round this year than I do last year. Yeah, who are those guys that we're talking about? The guys in the second round this year that went are Christian Watson, Wandell Robinson. I'm not I'm not too big on him. He's not one of the guys that I'm high on in that group. But again, you can't all be perfect. But uh, John Mechie, Tyquan. Thornton, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, and Sky Moore. So the only two that I'm really down on are Wondell Robinson and Tyquan Thornton. And it's because Tyquan Thornton went to the Patriots and they haven't really produced useful wide receivers. Wondell Robinson goes to the Giants. He's kind of a gadget guy. He's essentially Tony's kind of replacement sort of thing. So, again, but I mean, you got guys like Tutu Atwell who didn't record anything last year. So, I mean, even if they don't do anything, that's equivalent to him. And then I just feel better about Watson, Mechie, Pickens, Pearson more than I do the other guy, the guys on the other side, except for maybe Elijah Moore. Yeah, I mean, what, uh, Eskridge uh, had under 100 yards. Um, Terrence Marshall Jr. had, what, 140? We had 140 yards. So, so. I mean, you have to eclipse that number. Like, I mean, come on. Like, the two you're competing with are Elijah Moore and Rondell Moore right. with 538 and 435 yards. And, like, I don't see any reason that Christian Watson couldn't get that on the Green Bay Packers easily. Like, I think that would be like that would be Christian Watson's floor, I would imagine, for this season just by default with how many targets are going to be available on that offense. I see Sky Moore clearing that, too. Exactly. Same thing on the Chiefs with that opening available. Alec Pierce, could again, like, that could be where he comes in with yeah. being the number two on the Colts. George Pickens, you know, we'll see what Mitch Trubisky has with the Steelers and all that. You know, Deontay Johnson is there. But that's a team that can produce 2,000-yard wide receivers, typically, with the way they go. It, it hasn't happened recently with Big Ben's arm and all that. But Who do you guys think uh, has potential to hit 500 yards a rookie season out of the new class here that we got pulled up for the second round? So, Watson? Yep. Moore, Pierce? 
Pickens. It remains to be seen how much he's going to play. I think um, those four would be the, the if, best bet. And we then, can get a, And that's good, like right I, there. I think if Mechie's back healthy for the beginning of the season, I think he can get 500 also. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want to say. I don't think he'll be back at the beginning. He got hurt in December, though, I believe. So I think it was, in, I believe it was an ACL tear, mm-hmm. so I yeah, think he's going to miss the November first. November or so, October. He'll play half the season, but he'll still... I think he could come close to 400. I think he could come close to Rondell Moore's numbers in, in half a season, depending on how things shake out there. We'll, we'll see, because it'll tend to see how Nico Collins plays out in, in the Texans. But We'll see about Thornton. He's, like, he's kind of But again, if those four guys all hit 500 yards, that's still twice as many. It's way no, better. It's more than the It's not the even close. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's, blow them out, yeah. So that's where it is with that. And we've kind of talked about all those guys. We'll talk a little bit about them later when we uh, do a little comparison, a little uh, on-the-clock segment later on. But let's move on to the round three wide receivers then. So I'll go through the ones that were taken uh, last year, and that would be Josh Palmer. He was he had 33 catches for 353 yards, four touchdowns. Diami Brown, 12 catches, 165 yards, no touchdowns. Amari Rogers, four catches, 45 yards, no touchdowns. Nico Collins, 33 catches, 446 yards, and a touchdown. And Anthony Schwartz, 10 catches, 135 yards, and a touchdown. So... I mean, of the second and third round wide receivers taken in 2021, Nico Collins actually has the second most yards at 446. So just kind of give a comparison there again when we were talking about those second round wide receivers, and he's got the most of obviously the wide receivers in this third round here. Josh Palmer's got the second most, obviously, on the Chargers. That was Mike Williams and Keenan Allen missed some time. And then the third round wide receivers this year are Valus Jones Jr., Jalen Tolbert, David Bell, and Danny Gray. So what do we think about this group, Rich? I feel like this one might be a little bit closer than the other Yeah, group. I think this is pretty even. Like, you know, I'm a big fan of David Bell. Um, outside of that, I'm not really sure what else is there in round, the round three wide receivers from this past year. From from my perspective, like as somebody hasn't dug so deep as you guys have, it seems real coin flippy here. Yeah, the one thing I was going to say that could push it is Valus Jones Jr., because he potentially is the number one yeah. wide receiver for the He's Bears. A great opportunity. So year, I mean, yeah. if he if he himself catches eight hundred, you know, gets eight hundred yards and you know with fifty catches, that alone will equip anything. Yeah, that'll be nuts. He's six hundred. Yeah, no, it's a total possibility. I, 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 I'm, like, I'm not even setting that as like a high bar for a wide receiver. You know, like, I'm not putting him at a thousand. I'm saying just eight hundred right. as the yeah, Bears' number yeah. one wide receiver. I mean, as a rookie, that would even be. if he, you know, even yeah, he's also twenty five. So uh, yeah, I forgot. Like he's an older wide receiver too. Fifty catches, six hundred yards. I guess. That's still, you know, it's better than what these guys produced last year. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then we have Jalen Tolbert, who's on the Cowboys, probably going to settle in as a wide receiver two or three on their team, depending on when Michael Gallup comes back. David Bell's on the Cleveland Browns. You already mentioned him. But a very nice opportunity with a yeah. wide receiver two in Cleveland. Yeah, so, I mean, he could easily get to the 400, 500-yard marker. So I think that's really we're looking at Luce Jones and David Bell to kind of eclipse Nico Collin and Josh Palmer. But none of the other guys on here really did anything. And I mean, Anthony Schwartz was the Browns' third-round pick last year, and they just took David Bell with it. So, I mean, you know, how committed are they to Schwartz and all that? So, like you said, it's a coin flip. I think Luce Jones Jr. could maybe push it more towards that way. So, again, if you want to compare that group overall then and say you like the one, I was like, I, I could see that. But it, it was just like people were definitively stating that they like the wide receiver class from last year as far as like even like not not even just the top, but like as far as the next sets of wide receivers went, they liked last year's better than that one. I was like, what did last year's do that this year's couldn't possibly uh, do? Like, I just like I wasn't really impressed with any of them outside the guys that went in the first round. It's a very strong second round class. Yeah. Uh, I think with the with the 2022, and I think that's maybe why people aren't as high on it is because the first rounders were clearly behind the first round guys that went last year with like Smith, Waddle, Chase, and and they're all probably around Bateman. I would say the guys who went in the first round is that a fair assessment? They're all closer to Bateman than they would be the other top three guys. Yeah, I think so. I mean, last year's class was very top heavy, right? And we saw what Chase. And did. that's what I'm saying. I think because I'm Waddle just saying like and Smith, the drop off between the wide receivers in round one last year and then the wide receivers in round two was much greater than the drop-off between the wide receivers this year. And I think that, like, again, just because the top wasn't heavy this year, that's why they're looking kind of down on, like, the whole class. But, like, when I when you pour it out like this, I don't, I don't feel the same way. It doesn't sound like you do either, so. 
We are good on that then. So let's move on to our next topic. Just getting some random questions, kind of think about as we're going into dynasty drafts. And this is a question that I had, and something I was kind of thinking about: Is a running back handcuff more valuable in a dynasty league than a redraft league? So if you are targeting somebody like a Dalvin Cook or an Alvin Kamara. Austin Eckler in the first round. Does their handcuff have more value to you in Dynasty than it does in a redraft league? That's such a great question. I think yes. I think it is. I mean, you're secure in that backfield at that point, right? I mean, for going forward for multiple years, you then have the backfield. If you have both guys, sometimes three guys. Um, in redraft, I think you can skate by a little bit more because you'll be able to pluck the waiver wires and find something versus where in Dynasty. That's too thin. Good, good luck. Yeah. yeah. You have to make a move um, and probably trade some assets. Yep. Yeah. You have to give up assets to, to get a guy to yeah. fill in, whereas in redraft, you just, you know, you find somebody. You might not find your 10, 12 point per game score, but you can find an 8, 7, 8 point guy yeah. who can get you by a week. And, and typically everybody's dealing with injuries, so mm-hmm. it's not. That's essentially what I was going to say as well. That's like the main part of it is that what are the chances you're going to be able to grab, like, I feel you could potentially get your running back's handcuff off of the waiver wire in a redraft league, whereas in Dynasty League, not so much. Now, obviously, the top guys, you probably won't be getting their handcuffs. You know, like Melvin Gordon, Jamal Williams will probably be drafted. A.J. Dillon will all probably be drafted in the league, so you won't get them off the waiver wire, obviously. But some other guys, like maybe, you know, like, are people going to take Isaiah Spiller in a redraft league just because they have Austin Eckler? Or are they going to look at me like, eh, he'll be available on the, you know, they'll just kind of say, when's the last time a backup running back for the Chargers has actually been useful and kind of leave him on the waiver? I think somebody like that could be available. Is Rashad White going to go in a redraft league, the backup to Leonard Fournette in Tampa Bay? Maybe, maybe not. Like, these guys I think could be available for you on the waiver wire in a redraft. In Dynasty, they're not going to be available. So that's. Sure. So when you're initially doing your startup, I think it's more. I think I would be more inclined to target it then. But let's say you're going into your rookie draft now and you have Austin Eckler or somebody like that. Does you having the main running back in a backfield influence your rankings as far as those running back goes? Like, would you be inclined to put Spiller higher if you have Austin Eckler as opposed to Rashad White, who, like, if you had those guys similarly graded would you move spiller ahead or like how how much does it influence how much higher would you move a guy or or i understand what you're saying would you take a guy if he if you have the main back and he's the backup in a a rookie draft depends on the situation but yeah i think it it gives it a slight edge or a slight boost like for your your example uh if i had white rashad white and isaiah spiller even laying i got austin eckler and i'm looking i don't have great running back that behind it and I'm like, yeah, I'll take Spiller over White, yeah. You know, secure that Chargers backfield. You want a piece of that offense and be explosive. Right. Let me give you a little something else then. Let's say you have Austin Eckler. Right. Would you take Isaiah Spiller or would you take James Cook? Where did I? James Cook is uh, in Buffalo. Buffalo. He was – I asked Rich because I know he was Rich's third RB, I believe, that he had ranked. He's around third or four when you go and you look at the rankings as far as the, uh, everybody is his concern. So. And Spiller is closer to uh, five or, you know, six, right. seven. So he's a few spots behind. I'll take Cook. You yeah. take Cook over Spiller? I think you still got to draft for value. But I think it's, you know, a valid strategy. Um to try to secure the backfield for sure, but um, the, my approach is always correct. In the right it. situation, really. I yeah. mean, if if a guy's fallen and you know, yeah, I don't know. Say one of these wide receivers we're talking about earlier starts slipping down your rookie draft, like a Pickens gets somehow falls into the second round, right? And they're like, mm, do I take? Rashad White to back up my Leonard Fournette, or do I take George Pickens? I think I'm probably taking Pickens. Mm-hmm. All right, but in other situations, the the running back to secure that backfield is going to outweigh it. Really, situations or situational, or is that that same? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's uh, it's it's definitely a good hypothetical, um, and I think those are all just decisions you make real time. For sure. 
but yeah, I think that the yeah, it's a, it's an interesting uh, topic because you see online a lot of debate go back and forth about handcuffs, and it totally is a uh, off season topic um, <laughs> because you get pretty deep into the fantasy uh, realm at that point. But uh, it seems like everybody has their own strategy. But yeah. again, it's important, and again, like you said, it matters your offense and all that. Like I wouldn't be as cl- inclined to grab Rashad White if I had Leonard Fournette versus you know as compared to somebody like grabbing the backup to Dalvin Cook, like Alexander Madison. Like, we've seen him come in and do exactly what Dalvin Cook does, so you don't have to worry about a drop-off. So, like, I'd be more inclined to backup that I knew was going into a high-volume offense that's going to replicate what the starter did. Again, that's why I was kind of going with Isaiah Spiller, because if Austin Eckler's out, somebody's going to have to fill in that role, and that's a high-volume passing attack. And that's good offense. He's that's got a good, a good shot. Good so that's kind of why I was going with those guys, as they had the chance to come in and kind of replicate the success of the starter if given the opportunity versus somebody who is technically the starter in James Cook on, on his team. So, so I guess... Uh, it depends on... Yeah. Again, it depends on how far apart you have ranking those guys. Again, I might be... Like I said, I might be more inclined to take... If I had Eckler, I might be more inclined to take Spiller to kind of back him up, knowing especially the shelf life of uh, running backs and just kind of secure that backfield, not just for this year, but like going future, forward. Yeah. And again, But that's because I have Cook ranked differently than you have Cook ranked. So again, it also depends on your personal ranking. So I would say maybe like just a general rule, I would move him up. If I had the main guy in the backfield, probably two or three players higher than I would normally take him. Like, I'm looking at just strictly, like, that position. I'd probably take him two or three running backs sooner than I would have had him ranked if I have the main guy. Makes sense. Yeah, so I guess the final thought is for redraft, uh, do what you think is best in the moment. Yeah. Because you're not going to – there's no hard rule to it. Yeah. Yeah. So – then the next kind of thing, just a little more thought to think about, is which position in the in a dynasty draft do you think is most affected by age? So this is a startup draft. So you're doing a startup draft, and you're kind of ranking guys and sorting guys out. Uh, running back. That's running back, yeah. yeah. I, div- I say differently. I say wide receiver. And here's why. Are you going to have Derrick Henry outside your top ten running backs in dynasty this year? Um, Maybe. I don't think I would this right. year. I, I, maybe eight, so, eight, nine. 29-year-old running back. He's getting to that point. 29-year-old running back that people are still going to have in the top ten at running backs. Yeah, but Not, he's, he's built different. Yeah, I mean, how many running backs keep doing what they're doing at 29 and I know, but that, this is my point, though, is that the running backs are... He seems like the exception. The running backs don't... I wouldn't fluctuate the running backs as much because you're essentially only going to get three or four years out of your running back no matter what. It could, the age is kind of less significant versus wide receivers. I'm looking at a 29-year-old wide receiver versus 22-year-old wide receiver. I'm going to move a 22-year-old wide receiver up over a 29-year-old wide receiver. I mean, again, this was me just talking. I've been saying this all kind of season, which is kind of why I say wide receiver. But, like... Age matters to me more for wide receivers because if I, I can get more from a wide receiver essentially than I could from a running back, like the, I, it just comes to how many young running backs are there that you can throw up there to be in your top ten. We got Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor. You know, where were your other young running backs? DeAndre Swift is he going to be a top five? Is he a top three running back for you? Are you putting him at third. You know what I mean? Where's Christian McCaffrey at? He's twenty six, twenty seven. Is he outside the top ten? So that's what I mean. When you're looking at you got a bunch of 22-year-old running backs, how many of them are you honestly putting ahead of Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry? All these guys are 27, 28. And just one of those things to where, like, I'd still probably, like, you know, I don't think it, it's one of those things where I'm just going to put all those guys in the back half of the, of the running back rankings just because they're a little bit older, which I did last year, and it didn't honestly go as well as I would have loved. Well, it kind of did because I got some good young. That's because our league didn't direct grade running backs correctly last year. But aside the point is just I feel I would be less inclined to take a 28-, 29-year-old wide receiver than I would be a running back if the running back's been productive versus the wide receiver. Like, again, looking at Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, all of them, even some of the wide receivers. Like, if I'm looking at, you know, somebody like Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson versus, you know, like a Mike Williams who's kind of on the same team. Like, Mike Williams is kind of putting up similar numbers and could eventually, and looks like Keenan Allen's on his way out. He's going to take that role from him at some point. Like, you know what I mean? So that's where yeah. I, I, I kind of move younger wide receivers up more. I think team scenario plays into it, too. Like, if you're rebuilding, obviously those younger guys are going to be a lot more valuable. But, like, if you're competing, like, give me Keenan Allen over Mike Williams all day. Give me Ezekiel Elliott over Mike Williams all day. 
Hey, hype up the trade. Yeah. Yes, sir. But again, it was also just kind of comparing when you're looking at the guys at the top. Because again, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, Derek Henry, Christian McCaffrey, all those guys are 26 or older, 27, something like that. Whereas, you know, I could probably find. 10 wide receivers 24 or younger that I would pro- that I could say I would have no problem if they were the you know the one two on my teams as far as wide receivers go you know what I mean when you're looking at Jamar Chase Justin Jefferson DK Metcalf you know Jalen Waddle all those guys so like there's just I'd rather go with a wide receiver I'm going to get 10 years out of when I look at the running backs I'm like I'm probably going to get four or five years of production out of these guys regardless or like if it's Derek Henley maybe only three or something yeah. like that I mean I, I get it I just I don't know if it's like a, a hard like hard line answer I don't know if it's like like a black or white thing I think it's more situational more team based I guess if you're competing, like I'm taking Keenan Allen, dude. I don't care that he's approaching thirty. Like all some of these older guys too. I take Derrick Henry. Like, like, yeah. Again, I'm always looking at this from the point of a startup, so it's not always a matter of like I'm just competing this year. It's like again, if I'm doing a startup, how long am I willing to compete? That's what I'm saying. You're gonna gonna value youth. That's that's kind of what the the whole thing was. But that's what I was saying. You're gonna value the youth more, but which position are you gonna value the youth more than in that? So that's what I was saying. Right. Yeah. You want to have. I would probably I, go. When you're doing a startup, yeah, I think a good strategy, and uh, you see it online a lot, is build, start start with a good core yeah, of young, young wide receivers. receivers yeah. And then sure. grab and the then best running backs available. Best, exactly. so that's kind of what I was saying, where yeah. I felt that the age for the wide receiver was yeah, more I, significant than I, the age yeah, for Yeah, from a startup receiver. perspective. Yeah, I realized we were talking yeah. startup. Mm-hmm. I apologize. Yeah. For, no, that makes sense for sure. That totally makes sense, yeah. Okay, I apologize for being unclear about no, that. No, you're good, dude. So... All right, no, well, dude, don't let it happen again. <laughs> Straight clarity from now on. Yeah, 100% crystal clear. Yeah, if you're not making sense from a rep, I'm done with this. <laughs> Call it a day. Call it a day. Wrap it up. I'm done. We're never going to get anything done. Yeah, uh, do we ever get anything done? <laughs> We've been in this basement for a long time. <laughs> How many hours now? We didn't do anything. Yeah. Hey, we're mostly done. What? Uh, I think we. you guys came up with a little bit of a, a newer segment for us here, or you guys have something else to roll into before we get rid of that? No, that's it. Let's uh, roll into it. Our new segment's called uh, On the Clock. On the Clock. We are going to hypothetical situations where we are going to give some players that are available for a spot in your rookie draft or just a draft in general. It's mostly rookies this year. We'll stick with rookies for now, but we'll switch it up later on at some point. Yeah, we could we could do startup decisions too between you know younger guys and older guys like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. But make sure you're being clear about what you're talking about. (laughs) Very clear. Or else we're not. So for this episode today, we are doing on the clock for a rookie draft for your dynasty league. Could you repeat so, that? No. All right. That wasn't clear enough. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, let's, uh, let's let him rip. So the first scenario then, Rich, I'll let you do this one since this was the one you came up with. And you said this would be what, early second probably is the choice you're looking at here, late first with these guys? Mm-hmm. Um, which guys? The guys at the at top. The top. That okay. You had sent to us as your suggestion. So you got Christian Watson. For the Green Bay Packers. George Pickens for the Steelers. Or Alec Pierce for the Colts. All available on the clock. Who am I taking? George Pickens. George Pickens. I was going to say that's... Probably the safest bet of the three. I think Watson has the most upside, but if you ask me which wide receiver do I feel most secure about having consistent fantasy production, it would probably be George Pickens, mainly because of his landing spot with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Right. A couple just. When was the last time the Steelers paid a, a guy a wide receiver a second contract? Was that, I think it was Antonio Brown. Yeah. Might have been the last one. Hey, they brought Juju back on one year deal. It was a one year deal. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, what is going on with Deontay Johnson over there right now? Isn't he right. set, he is he holding out for money? I I remember That's me and Robert talking about this yesterday very yeah. briefly, but um, yeah, I, I don't know what's going on with him. Uh, I don't know if anybody knows what's going on with him. Uh, I've been talking to my uh, sources in Pittsburgh. Christian Kirk get an absolute monster yeah. contract. Yeah, and we all and saw he's outproduced him, mm-hmm. and he's just like, "Where's my monster contract?" Yeah, yeah. And Pittsburgh's like, Dude. we don't do that here. And we all saw that uh, <laughs> video of Pickens watching the TV while he was getting drafted. That was uh. Some uh, I didn't see that it, where he was standing there, just like this. I'll pull it up for you in a, in a little bit, but yeah, I, I like Pickens there. 
And like, dude, Pittsburgh knows how to draft yeah. wide receivers. So I've gotten. They know up. how to develop wide receivers. Yes, there you go. I, I have an update I saw uh, from Sports Illustrated. So Deontay Johnson weighed in with a tweet. Ain't saying nothing. <laughs> and, a, yeah, very clear. Yeah. So anyway, then it follows up with saying, if there is no deal by week one, the two sides will probably not continue discussions into the season. So that means if they don't get a deal done by week one, he's not going to discuss it with them during the season. So has he got the shiesty mask on? <laughs> this is George Pickens when he's getting drafted. I think a lot of people have seen this video already, just standing in front of the television. Looking like an absolute I changed killer, dude. I changed my pick. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't like. I, he was standing. I didn't. I don't know. I didn't. I wasn't a fan of the the, the stance and the way he was I moving. Did. I, I think it's it exudes confidence. Yeah, it's yeah. exuding confidence. He's ready to go. Okay. So. so, so George Pickens, I think, would be the safest bet to consistently produce fantasy wise. I think Christian Watson has the highest upside of the three. So those would be my inclination. Alec Pierce kind of seems like he'd be the third one, but. If I ended up with any one of them, they like if the other two went before that, and I had to get you know Alec Pierce, I'm not necessarily upset though either. So I feel pretty good about all three of those guys. But we pick and safest Watson most upside, Alec Pierce kind of the third man. Just there. fading him. Yeah, no, I'm not fading. Not necessarily fading. Yeah, I like Alec Pierce. Him. It's just the other guys. Hey. You got three guys to pick here. You put them. I got one with the Pierce before Watson. But I got just me. one with a back to back MVP quarterback currently on the roster. I got another one going to an organization that constantly puts out wide receivers, and then I've got the Colts and whatever they're doing right now, and with Matt Ryan and continually bringing in veteran quarterbacks. So I just feel better about the overall situation for the other guys. Mm-hmm. It's hard to disagree. All right, what's our what's our next one here? So the next one's a little bit different. Instead of just doing the same position, uh, we look at ESPN.com's Dynasty Rankings and kind of found some guys that were all right next to each other. So so they're all literally like right next to each other. There might be one or two veterans in between some guys here or there, but they're pretty much ranked right next to each other. So, And this is the order that uh, they're ranked on ESPN.com. We've got Trey McBride, tight end for Arizona. Tyquan Thornton, wide receiver for New England. This, we have Isaiah Spiller, running back for the Los Angeles Chargers. And Damian Pierce, running back for the Houston Texans. Right away, Rich, is there any guy that you automatically look at and say, I would definitely take this guy over the other three, so we'll leave him out of this discussion? Or a guy that you said, I definitely wouldn't take over the other three, and again, we'll just kind of leave them out of discussion? Uh, or is, I'd take Pierce over all of them. Damian Pierce over all of them? And so, Okay. So, yeah, and he was ranked, oh, again, he's ranked last of the four of them there, so. It's like his situation, man. He's got a great opportunity this year. And this is for a dynasty startup, right? You would take him first over those other guys, McBride, Thornton, and Speller. For a startup. Mm, I thought we were talking rookie draft. Hmm. Uh, okay, so. You're talking rookie draft here. Yeah. My bad. I switched it. You switched it up. I ruined the clarity. Yeah. It's not clear, man. It's not clear. All right. We're done. So in a rookie... (laughs) So... I guess let's do two situations. Uh, kind of what we talked about earlier. Rookie draft, you have Austin Eckler. Rookie draft, you don't have Austin Eckler. Does it influence you taking Damian Pierce or Isaiah Spiller? Yes, because I'm not convinced Damian Pierce is anything more than a one-year player. Okay. And I think that he very well could produce the most in his career this year. Mm-hmm. That is a very fair assessment. And Isaiah Spiller could kind of settle into the role behind Austin Eckler. And so while he may not be useful as much this year, he could, if you have Austin Eckler, he's the fill-in behind him and could provide use year over year. Exactly. Even though he's not playing as many games. A.J. Dillon type guy? Potentially. Potentially, I think he could fill more of, like, the whole role that Austin Eckler kind of fills, though, than A.J. Like, A.J. Dillon, I don't feel, is the pass catcher that Aaron Jones is. Like, he's... has a pass-catching profile. He's been catching passes, but I don't know that he's... Like, I don't... He's not been as effective as Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is also an extremely effective running back, just in general, when it comes to his touches. Very efficient. But, okay, so let's take Damian Pierce out of the equation, then, and... Talk about the other three. Trey McBride, Tyquan Thornton, and Isaiah Spiller. We got a tight end, a wide receiver, and a running back. Do you is it really a question between Trey McBride and the other two, do you think? Let's start with that, because it's a tight end now that we're talking about. We're looking this yeah. is probably in the second round, mid to late second round. You would consider Trey McBride. I would depending on situation, I'd yeah, imagine. Absolutely. I mean I'd like Trey McBride as a prospect. I like his landing spot. I know they just they re signed Ertz. But 
is is a versatile player, right? That's the we see no DeAndre Hopkins is, is going to be suspended. He's getting a, he's getting a little bit older. They lost Christian Kirk, so there's opportunity there. Who's to say that Zach Ertz isn't going to be playing a lot more slot and Trey McBride's lined up in line as a tight end or vice versa? Like there's opportunity there, and I really like this profile coming out and this production, and it's a guy I would definitely consider it for sure. Okay. So, no, you don't have Austin Eckler. Are you still taking Spiller over the other two guys? If I don't have Austin Eckler, I'm taking McBride. You're taking McBride? Yes. Okay. If I have Eckler, I'm probably going to take Spiller, depending, though, if I, if I need a tight end, right, and McBride's there at that point, I'm probably taking McBride. Yeah, I like him, I man. I like him as a player. You know, you get your guy, and we'll see. I, I don't know how much his value is going to return this year, but going forward, I see him as a, as a guy who could be, you know, a top eight tight end. I'm a little more inclined to take Spiller myself, again, even if I don't have Austin Eckler, because I feel just with how Austin Eckler's career is kind of gone, he's going to miss a few games each season. I know that, so that either leaves me the opportunity to use him as it, you know, on those bye weeks or potentially trade him to the Austin Eckler owner and get mm-hmm. something kind of in return for him. So that's kind of where I'm looking. And also the potential Austin Eckler, again, he's getting older. Is he going to get a second contract with the – you know, with the Chargers, a lot of, you know, the second contracts running backs haven't really been working out too well for a lot of teams, yeah. so he could potentially take over. That being said, we don't know that he's going to take over, so it's just, again, I think myself I'm more inclined to lean Isaiah Spiller before I lean to Trey McBride. It would also, again, what else is on the board kind of depends, too. It depends how many other running backs have gone at this point. Because if, you know, if the other, like, top six, seven running backs have gone, I'm looking at Spiller and then a drop-off between the next guys versus, like, Trey McBride's looking to probably be, like, the first tight end going from this rookie draft, then I'd say, you know, I'd probably wait and grab, you know, the third tight end as opposed to the tenth running back, you know what I mean? Yeah. So that all kind of plays into it. But you're more McBride, I'm more Spiller, but... Right. Let's move on to the next one. I'm gonna let you answer because this one's pretty easy for me. I think this one might be all right for you too. But you got uh, you're on the clock. Uh, you got David Bell for the Browns, Calvin Austin for the Steelers, Romeo Dupes for the Packers, and Danny Gray from the Niners. Danny Gray. You're taking Danny. No, no way. <laughs> just messing with you. No way. <laughs> I was just messing with you because we had this uh, a slight conversation about Danny Gray on one of the other shows where I'd said something about him possibly stepping into a bigger role for the 49ers. But uh, no, it's David Bell. Absolutely. That if we remove David Bell, it's still easy for me. It's Romeo Dubes. Dubes. He's on the Packers, right? Yes. Yep. Yep. He's uh, definitely somebody that uh, his name has popped up more and more in the past month. Uh, to, you know, since I guess the really actually the draft is when his name started popping up more because he was pretty under the radar. Uh, before that. Romeo Dubes, what an awesome so, name. Yeah, it is an awesome name. <laughs> I remember thinking that too when I was going through all the players in Scout and when I looked at it, I was like, I like the name. And then I was reading it and some of the stuff I read I wasn't as big of a fan of. But uh, I think, again, my biggest thing wasn't with that I saw the critique that he doesn't like to go over the middle. He kind of shies away from that contact. But that's like, you know, minor little nitpick thing here. So yeah, I agree with you. David Bell clearly heading away above the other guys. i probably go Romeo Dubes as well. I don't know that it's hands down Romeo Dubes above I, I am considering Danny Gray there like not again I'm not taking Danny Gray over David Bell in any way shape or form but uh, again it's just I don't it, it's the same kind of risk that we're taking with Christian Watson just later because Romeo Dubes isn't as athletically you know talented or gifted it's still going to be a rookie wide receiver working with Aaron Rodgers like all the same concerns I had with Christian Watson are there with Romeo Dubes it's just he was taken you know around later than Christian Watson or I'm sorry I think he was taken even later than that yeah he wasn't taken in the third round he was, he was taken, the fourth round yeah so he's taken two rounds later fifth, to be honest and uh Again, there's always the possibility you have to remember as well. When I'm, we'll talk about this when we do kind of our uh, strat, our draft strategy show. But you have to, I, I take into consideration like the entire team picture when I'm looking at position by position things. So like the fact that Aaron Rodgers could be gone after two years is something you have to consider as well. Because if you know. Maybe he breaks out in year two with Aaron Rodgers, but then Aaron Rodgers retires, and so now all of a sudden it's like they've got a new quarterback in there. So what does that leave for Romeo Dubes and all that? So you know that's just no kind of respect for Jordan Love. Versus, 
No respect for Jordan Love? Uh, is Jordan Love even going to be on the team in two years? Like, uh, his rookie contract's going to expire soon, right? I don't even know. Like, they were talked about he might get traded and something like that. You know like how that. much the Packers love to piss off Aaron Rodgers. You know they're re-signing <laughs> Jordan Love. It's <laughs> happening. Just in case you retire in the next few years, Aaron, we're going to keep him around. Uh, what, what kind of year are we looking uh, at if... Uh, Say you grab for Amy Dubes, what do you want to see out of him realistically, uh, yardage wise this year? 530, 540? Yeah, that's I'm and so I know we talked about this before. Uh, you know, you see online definitely parroted. You want to see your guy get 525 minimum and add the extra game, it's probably 550 now. Yeah, 560. 560, right? Yeah, do you think that's realistic for him? I mean, yeah, I definitely do. Mm-hmm. All he's got to really compete with, I mean, he's got Randall Cobb and Alan Lazard and then Christian Watson. I mean, there's I mean, definitely opportunity. Mm-hmm. Right. We'll have to see. Where did we'll he see. Uh, do, you, do you know where he went to school off the top of your head? Dubes? Yeah. Nevada. Nevada, okay. Cool. Yeah. He, uh, I don't know. It's 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 hard to decide. What, is, what yard do you what, think he's going at this year? Dubes. Take your shot in the dark here. Three seventy. I think that's realistic. Yeah, three seventy. Unfortunately, just the other problem is like it's been a while since we've seen Aaron Rodgers really produce two viable fantasy or just like not even fantasy wise, just two productive wide receivers on the team. You know what I mean? Where like outside of Devontae Adams getting you know fourteen hundred yards, the next guy has like seven hundred. It's just it's hard to imagine that. Again, I'm a bit higher on Christian Watson, but it's hard to imagine both him and Christian Watson eclipsing 500 yards this season. And if you ask me which one I thought was more likely to do it, I think it's Christian Watson. So that's why I'm just a little bit more down on dupes. I would say, though, this would be one of those things where if I'm strategizing, this is almost like I would grab dupes almost be a Watson handcuff where, like, I think one of these guys might, is probably going to emerge over Cobb and Lazard to be the starter. So, like, if I grab Watson earlier, I might be looking to come back and grab dupes a little bit later and just say, hey, one of these guys is going to be the number one for Aaron Rodgers. And, right. You know, a strategy you don't normally do with wide receivers, but in this yeah. situation, I, it's something I'd consider. Work, yeah. yeah, because you can get both of those guys very realistically. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, I like that idea. What uh, will we get up next here? Unless you guys have more dubs uh, info for me. Uh, no, that's <laughs> that's all the dubs info for now. We'll, cool. we'll come back to them because we'll we like saying we'll, his yeah, name. Yeah, we'll do more dubs later. <laughs> uh, so then let's look at the other one. And again, these guys were all ranked close together. So this was the order. We've got Tyler Algier for the Atlanta Falcons, Rashad White, Tampa Bay, Brian Robinson Jr. for Washington, and Tyrion Davis-Price for San Francisco. So, again, they're all running backs. They're all ranked right about the same. They're all probably going to go in the late second round, maybe early third, depending on how the board kind of plays out. So, is there one of these guys where, at the end, you look at it and you just say, hands and away, I take this guy over the other guys, move him aside? Or is this um, one of those things where it's a little bit closer than the other ones? I'll give you one who I'm not taking. And okay. it has nothing to do with football reasons, really. Like, it has everything to do with, I just don't want any more of that 49ers backfield. I don't <laughs> want to play anymore. <laughs> it hurts. It hurts. Yeah, yeah. Trey Sermon, the, the ghost of Sermon's past. You're always wrong and it always hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing it anymore. Uh-huh. I'm not. He might be the best one out of that group. He really might. And, you know, hey, I tip my cap to if someone drafts them and they hit. It won't be me. Uh-huh. <laughs> I, hear I, I, I totally hear understand, yeah, because you were a guy who had Trey Sermon last year. And I had said that before, too. Like, I just kind of was out on any of the 49ers running backs in general just because, like, that. Like, again, he just changes week to week who he's going to use as a starting running back. Yeah. And then they're always going to get hurt at some point, and another guy's going to step and in. steps and in and like, takes his job. and then Until he gets hurt, and then the other guy comes back. Yeah. And they're like, oh, this is oh, why they were so high on him. And then he gets hurt again. And it's just like, come on, I'm not playing that game anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So who, who did uh, – didn't the Falcons just sign another running back? Uh, Jeremy McNichols. Okay. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know if that uh, had really any uh, impact on I Algiers. Mean, uh, it could. Value. I mean, yeah, it could. Yeah. We'll see. So, I agree with you then. We'll leave, leave Tyrion Davis-Price <laughs> kind of out of the conversation. He was the last one in the group as well. So let's look at the other guys then. Tyler Algier, Rashad White, Ryan Robinson Jr. I kind of agree with the way that they're listed there, as far as that goes. With Algier, White, Robinson. Uh, I could see the argument for Robinson ahead of White, 
but I mean, it, at this point, it looks like Algier might come in and be, is probably going to come in and be the star. They did re-sign Cordero Patterson, right? So there's Patterson on the team. We're talking about a 30-year-old running back who's had one productive season thus far through his NFL career. What well, was his first season really playing running back, right? Like actually consistently playing RB? Because he was a wide receiver right before that. Yeah, he went to a new situation, new coach. He gets schemed up differently. He might have a little okay. juice left in the tank. Mm-hmm. So, all right, then. So, so then what's your kind of listing as far as they go then? Out of the three, I'm going to take Brian Robinson Jr. Um, they keep they want to keep bringing in competition for Antonio Gibson. Right, we talked about Brian Robinson being able to pass protect, so he's going to be able to stay, get on the field. Antonio Gibson fumbles, and they don't want to give him the lion's share of the work. So I'm just like, why? Yeah, there's right, something like, going on there. Something, yeah, there's something there. I'll take Robinson. That's fair. Okay. I was going to say, even though so, even though they have J.D. McKissick there, so he's probably going to have a limited role or involvement yeah. this year, you're still going to take him because you, you think that it looks like Gibson might be on his way out the door. And how long? How old's McKissick at this point? I mean, they just, had, yeah, they just had to re-sign him to a one-year deal, and they had to sign him away from the Buffalo Bills so for whatever reason. So here past this year? I'm not sure. And is Antonio Gibson here long-term? I'm not sure. So I guess, again, it's one of those things where it's your situation. If you need a running back to produce for you this year, actually, I guess no, because Tyler Algiers got Cordero Patterson he's competing with this year. So I guess I would still say Algiers more likely to produce this year because he still has the better shot at gaining a role because yeah, his only competition is Patterson sure. versus the other guy. But if you're looking more long-term, you're looking at Brian Robinson. And then where do we feel about Rashad White with, you know, because Tom Brady might be See, out of exactly. there soon. I go back and forth because I, I like the talent. I'm not sure – how valuable he is as a, as a, a turnaround and hand it to him 15 times a game type of guy. I think he's more of like your Camara, where he's going to get his like 8, 10 carries, and you're going to just get the majority of his work is just catching passes. And when he seizes the role, is Tom Brady still there? Right. That's the that's the question. Right. Yeah. Because Leonard Fournette's there this yes. year, so. And it's like how Fournette much seems longer, like he's ready to go. That's where the value is in that Tampa Bay offense is because of Brady, right? Like. Right. So, yeah, so that was the thing. So then it sounds like Rashad White's kind of the third man in this group here then. And, again, depending on what you need, Brian Robinson or Tyler Edgey, I think we're both kind of a little bit more favorable towards Brian Robinson, though, it seems like. Because, again, if it gets to the point in the season two where Antonio Gibson is continuing to have fumbling problems, they could say enough's I mean, enough and yeah, put I mean, Robinson out there. I, can we can we get a look up on Brian Robinson's stats? I don't think he's fumbled, if I remember correctly. And I believe Gibson fumbled six times last season. So... He can pass protect, and if he's going to take care of the football, I mean. Yeah, you want good players out there. And Antonio Gibson also had a nagging injury. That's football reference, college football reference. Got it. I'll get that for you. You You say Antonio Gibson also had a nagging injury last year that was kind of keeping him on and off the field. It seems like it's like that every year, too. Yeah, a little something nagging. You know, they don't want to give him the workload. He fumbles. So, like, ah. yeah, there's some questions. I remember he was getting real hyped last year about being a breakout guy on that, and then the injury happened, like you said, and then there's also the fumbles as well, which do, do kind of matter. or Not kind of, they matter. So let's take a look here. Fumbles. Give it a second to load here. I believe he has not. I believe you're correct with the not fumbling, though. I think I heard that from somewhere as well. Let's see. Sorry, it is. It is not giving the fumbles off the top of the thing here. No fumbles. Zero. 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 Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. Brian Robinson has not fumbled throughout his college career. Antonio Gibson, Antonio Gibson fumbled six times last year. So, yeah, it's a, quite a possibility that he could, you know, at some point almost like a prove a point sort of thing where you bench the guy because he's fumbling. You know, we've seen other teams do it all the time. Sean Payton would do it. You know, uh, Bill Belichick does it. Uh, they would do it in Tampa Bay as well. We saw that with, you know, what was the, the – who were the guys? There was a, Ronald Jones and uh, – there's another Keyshawn Vaughn. <laughs> what is uh what does Nick Saban do to those running backs down there? Because that's the last two. Najee Harris hadn't fumbled, and Brian Robinson hasn't fumbled. What's he doing to those running backs? <laughs> He's teaching them basic <laughs> fundamentals of how to hold the football and you know put both arms around it and keep it tucked in and keep it close to your body. And some of the guys when you're getting shifty and you're trying to make moves, just the way you move your body, your mm-hmm. arm kind of mm-hmm. flails out and away from your you know your body and all that. And so and also just. 
vision awareness like if you the better field vision you have the more prepared you are for a hit and so like if you're kind of get tunnel vision when you're running and you're not really expecting to get popped from the side that's when it can you know get knocked loose as well so I, i'm not sure which one exactly it is but it does seem to be a bit of a problem for him just built different like save and builds them different. Yes, he does. He's feeding them boys. Yeah, who knows? DeAndre Swift's built different this season. I don't know if you guys saw the photo of him all jacked up. Yeah, he's ripped this year compared to last year. And it's like one of those things where it's like I saw the headline. It's like yeah, everybody's in the best shape of their life this yeah. season. Then you get the side by side, and you're like, oh no, he he actually like he he worked out. He yeah. he's ripped. Mm-hmm. Hot boy summer. Hot boy summer. Yeah. So. Uh, I think we're going to be winding down. We don't really have anything else too much to go through. Any final thoughts or anything for today, Rich, for the show? Oh, I got one. Let's hear it. Let's, what, what, what are we thinking about this uh, This crate? Ezekiel Elliott, Tony Pollard uh, for Mike Williams, 210, and uh, who was the last? Josh one? Jacobs. Josh Jacobs. Uh, pretty solid trade. My trade. favorite part of the trade was 210. 210. I, I, I really have not a whole lot of interest in any other moving part of that. Uh, Mike Williams is too up and down for me as far as what I... Just his value versus his production. I, I don't... He's being valued like a wide receiver too, but when you have the up and down production of me, I value more as a wide receiver three because I'm not getting the same 20 points yep. as a week-in, week-out basis. That, yeah, so. I think you're right. It becomes a wide receiver three with wide receiver two upside. So that's kind of uh, my feeling with Mike Williams. That's kind of why I was out on him. Josh Jacobs doesn't have the upside of you know a pass catcher, and he's on the last year of his deal. He looks like he might be out, so I'm not too interested in him because now he's going to have to re-sign with a new team somewhere else, and is it going to be a run-heavy team? And uh, I just, you know, so. And then the Cowboys situation is an odd one. Again, it feels like Zeke's probably going to be gone after this year because of his contract. Like, they can't get rid of him this year because the dead cap money is too untenable. But next year, they could cut him and be rid of him and go with – they could go with Pollard, but is – I mean, I don't know. Somebody said they don't know if Power can be a three-down back, but I don't think he's particularly a small guy. I think he's about the average size. He looked explosive last year. I think he's around 6'1", 210 pounds. I think he's, like, right around what you're looking for as far as size goes for a guy who can be, you know, the three-down back. And I think we need to change what people mean when they three-down back. Like, that used to be a 6'4", 220-pound guy. That's not what it is anymore. It's more of the guy who's changing. It's the guy who can be both a pass catcher and a rusher. So it's not that big bruiser guy. It's the more of the guy. What's to, what do we have on Tony Pollard? Uh, six foot, two sixteen. Yeah, so that's what I said. Right so yeah, he's built to be a third down back. So maybe I'm changing. Maybe I, I feel a little bit better about Pollard there. Yeah, he, he flashed uh, last year for he's sure. Really explosive, without yeah. a doubt. Again, it's just with his, not like he's old, but with him. I believe he's moving towards the end of his rookie contract. Like, that'll be coming up in a year or so as well. So, are they going to sign him to a second contract? We'll see. You know, he might be cheaper because he hasn't necessarily been the starter and all that. But, yeah, maybe I'm, better, I'm a little more positive on Pollard than I, I was initially. So, yeah. Pretty pretty fair, though, overall. It's uh, pretty even. Yeah. It's a solid yeah. trade for both teams. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so, you guys uh, got anything else? Nope, that's going to be everything for us today. You can follow us on Spotify, on Google Podcasts, on Apple Podcasts. We are at Fantasy Oddballs on Instagram and Twitter. Send us any messages, any topics you want to discuss, anything like that. Until next time, I'm Ryan McNichols. Rich out. Later, guys. Mike Coyle. See ya.